0: All right, you guys can go ahead and have a seat. Man, I'm a, I'm a little nervous. I, I checked my zipper before I walked on the stage. I mean, jeez. That would have been, been pretty brutal if it, if it was down Austin. Uh, if I don't know you, my name is Colin. I'm also on staff here with Salt Company. And I am glad that you guys are here tonight. I'm excited for uh, tonight. I'm excited for three weekends from now heading to Des Moines with you all. Uh, that, that will be super fun. Uh, as we jump in tonight, I have a question for you all, which is this. Have you guys ever bought something that just wasn't worth it? Uh, yeah, everyone, everyone relates to this. Uh, I I came up with just, like, a little list of things I've purchased that weren't worth it. Uh, Anyone ever bought the pair of shoes that, like, you're like, these are super cool. I'm going to wear them all the time. And then you just don't wear them. Uh, Shoot. Um, Some of you are like, I wear all my shoes. Okay. Uh, Anyone ever bought something for a special occasion that you're, like, justifying it by saying, I'm also going to wear this other times. then you never wear it again. That's me. I've done that. Uh, Thrifting. Uh, where you're like, it's so cheap, I have to buy it. <laughs> and then you don't wear it. That's a tough one. Uh, some of you guys are, like, looking at each other, like, you're guilty of buying this thing, you're not worth it. Uh, video games, you don't play. Uh, there, there's a whole there's a whole mess of them, but the worst story, something, it actually wasn't me that bought it, but that wasn't worth it. Uh, but it's too good of a story not to tell. So, uh, two years ago... Well, no, it was more than two years ago. It was probably like four years ago. Uh, My mom, well, my dad for Christmas bought my mom a new laptop because her laptop was going bad. And my mom is like not not super techie, but not like the least techie person in the world. But she was like kind of stressing out because she's like, there's stuff on my old laptop that I want on my new laptop. And... Uh, so She's like, I'm going to bring it into the Apple store, but then when I bring it into the Apple store, maybe I'll, maybe I'll decide I don't actually want this laptop. I'll get a different laptop. So she was kind of freaking out. and uh, And so I left home after Christmas to her freaking out. And so it was probably two years ago now, so two years later, I went home and I was looking for something in my parents' house. And I found a brand new MacBook Pro in the shrink wrap in my parents' house. And I, like, brought it to my dad, and I was like, Dad, are, are you serious? And my mom just never opened the laptop. Like, she just p- set it aside, put books on top of it, and, like, forgot it was there. Which, like, you're probably like, who can, who can afford to, like, not open a laptop? I promise you, they cannot. She just forgot about it. Like, talk about something that wasn't worth it. You bought a MacBook Pro for my mom for Christmas, and she never opened it. I was like, cool, I'll take it, thanks. I didn't actually take it. My mom ended up opening it and using it. So I guess it was worth it, but it didn't seem like it was worth it at the time. But, guys, tonight we're going we're gonna to talk about a story, uh, actually two stories of two men that find something, that buy something, and it actually is worth it. It's not that it wasn't worth it, it's that they spent far more money on it than we could ever imagine, and yet it was worth it. And then we're actually going to look at maybe how we pay for things that aren't worth it. Not always monetarily, but we pay for things that aren't worth it. And so to do that, we're going to be in Matthew 13. So if you have a Bible, take it out. Matthew 13 is where we're going to be. We're continuing in our series through the parables of Jesus and Uh, If you weren't here last week or as a reminder from last week, parables are uh, a tool that Jesus uses to uh, teach us things about ourselves, about him, about what life with him is like and about grace. But he he teaches those things through these little stories he calls parables. They're essentially illustrations. He says it's like this. But something to, to note, especially tonight, is that if you push illustrations far enough... They fall apart. Like if you, if, you try to, if you try to assign everything about the spiritual life to a parable, the parable will end up falling apart. So, it, so it's just an illustration. It's something that helps us understand what God is like, what we are like, what grace is like, and what life with God is like. And so tonight we're going to look at two parables Jesus tells from Matthew 13, starting in verse 44. This is what it says. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. It's verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. So in both those stories, they start like this. The kingdom of heaven is like... The kingdom of heaven is like, and so before we figure out what the kingdom of heaven is like, we actually have to figure out what is the kingdom of heaven. And I think it might actually surprise you what the kingdom of heaven is, because a lot of times what we think the kingdom of heaven is, is we think it's something that will come one day. Or a place we go to, like it's like a place we can get to, but what the kingdom of heaven is, is it's the right now rule of Jesus Over his people. The right now rule of Jesus over his people. It's God ruling over the hearts, minds, lives, and actions of those that love him. Which means if that's what the kingdom of heaven is or the kingdom of God is, those are kind of used interchangeably in the Bible. That's something that we can be a part of tonight. That's something that you can be a part of tonight. You can actually be a part of the kingdom of heaven tonight. It's not something you have to wait to get to. It's not something you have to go to be in. It's something that you can experience right now. And so tonight as we look at these stories telling us what that kingdom is like I want you not to miss what is a life that's actually offered to you as well. That this kingdom of heaven life is offered to you and we're just going to learn we're going to learn just how amazing life in the kingdom is. So let's Go back to the, to the first parable. I says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Okay, I want this to happen to me, to be going on a walk with Rachel and to stumble upon uh, something in the middle of the field, and I uncover what's in the middle of the field, and this is treasure, like a priceless treasure. But that just would never happen today, but it might have actually happened in the first century. Because in the first century, there weren't uh, large banks. There wasn't the stock market. There wasn't the S&P 500. There was no place you could put your money and your valuables and your jewelry to keep it safe. And so what would happen is is people would go off to war or go off to travel. Instead of carrying all these valuable things with them where they could be robbed and where they would be a target, they would actually find a place in their fields, dig a hole, bury all their treasure, cover it up, and then go off on uh, some sort of travel, but oftentimes they would go off to war. And so what would happen if they'd buried all their treasure in the field and then they didn't return home from war? Well, these treasures would be lost in the middle of fields unknown to anyone. And so it's actually not that far off that this maybe would have happened to someone. So it was a day that started off on a lot like any other day, and this farmhand or slave maybe, like someone that didn't already own the land, someone who's working the land, stumbled upon a treasure of great value. Maybe it was a box, and he started to dig out the box, and he opens the box, and he finds jewelry and family heirlooms and, and priceless metals, gold, silver, all sorts of things. And so remember, if you push this story too far, it won't make sense. So Jesus isn't teaching business ethics right here, right? He's not saying what you should and shouldn't do when you find something in someone else's field. He's saying this is what the kingdom of heaven is like." like. You come upon a treasure. So this poor man that probably doesn't have much goes and sells everything that he has. Maybe the clothes off his back. He sells that so that he can go to the land and he can buy the land. He can take possession of this treasure. Why? Because the treasure has great value. Because the, the treasure has great value. He was The value of the treasure was more than what he was giving up for it. So similarly, Jesus tells another story that's really similar. He says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. Who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, we see the kingdom of heaven... Compared to like a great exchange. Someone selling off things of value in order to get something more valuable. And so to understand just how precious pearls were. Pearls like were far more precious than than they are today. I was reading up on pearls in the first century and I read this. It said that Roman Emperor Vitilius, who is a Roman emperor during the first century around the time of Jesus was able to finance an entire military campaign by selling just one of his mother's pearl earrings. Just one of his mother's pearl earrings. Like, the, these pearls were extravagant, priceless, life-changing wealth. And so being a, a pearl merchant could actually be, like, kind of a lucrative business. But this particular pearl merchant had spent his whole life in search of one of these great pearls and so likely he was buying and selling pearls likely he was diving into the ocean to find these pearls like he was likely going on the search for this pearl and and one day he comes upon it the most beautiful glorious sizable pearl that he had ever seen one that was so amazing that he went home sold everything that he had the clothes off his back So that he could buy this pearl. Why? Because the pearl was more valuable than everything he was willing to give up for it. So why does Jesus tell these two stories that are nearly the same but a little different? It will be helpful for us to notice the difference. So what's the difference between them? There's the obvious. One's a treasure. One's a pearl. One finds it in a field digging in dirt. One finds it in a market, likely, around other precious things. One man was a blue-collar field worker, maybe even a slave. The other, a merchant that maybe had some wealth already, but perhaps the most notable one of all. One was looking for the treasure and the other stumbled on it. One was on the search, the other just happened to come upon it, and I'm wondering if we, in this room, are actually similar to that. If we're similar to In some ways that there are some of you in this room who came to college and you're like looking for what God had to say to you when you were here for your four years. You were looking to join a campus ministry. You were looking to like make your life count for the kingdom. You just wanted to know what he had to say. And so the question wasn't if you would join a college ministry, but what college ministry you would join so that you could hear the voice of God. You came looking to to hear what Jesus had to say to you. You're like the merchant. You knew what... You were on the search. Well, then there's others of you that are maybe more like the farmhand, where you came into college on the search for a lot of things that weren't a great treasure. And for some reason, you just stumbled upon Soul Company or someone from Soul Company or a, uh, a flyer or a social media post. And you just, like, stumbled into Soul Company. You don't really know what you're doing here. You don't really know why you're here, but you kind of keep stumbling back here. That you're like the farmhand who's maybe come upon a treasure and you don't even realize it because you were looking for it in other places. So some of you are the farmhand, some merchant, some looking, some stumbling. But what I love about this story, what this story teaches, is that whether you're looking for it or stumble upon it, all are welcome to come into the kingdom. That whether you're looking or you stumble upon it, all are welcome to come into the kingdom. You see, in both these stories, both these men are captured by the greatness of what they have come upon. Both are willing to sell everything that they have to get it. Both are willing to sell out for the treasure. Why? Because the treasure is worth more than all they had to give up for it. It wouldn't even compare. Like, what they had to give up doesn't compare to what they got. And Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom is like. He's saying, I want you to sell out for the kingdom. I want you to give up whatever it takes to get the kingdom. Not that we need to buy it. Not that we somehow earn our way into the kingdom. This story isn't a story of how the kingdom is achieved. It's a story of how the kingdom is received. The only way into the kingdom is by the grace of Jesus But he's saying when you've experienced the grace of Jesus, it's worth selling out to to be a part of the kingdom. To be a part of the right now rule of Jesus in our lives, over our hearts. He's saying it's worth it to go all in to follow him. But I don't think we treat the kingdom like that very often. I think we treat the gospel message, the, the kingdom of heaven as just like a small substitute into our lives. Like we're, we're willing to give up a few things, I think. Like maybe not everything, but I'll give up in a little to take a little. I'll, I'll give up a little part of my day. I'll give up a little hurt from my past. I'll, I'll give up uh, a few of the dreams that I once had or the things that I used to like to do. But God's not honored by us giving up so little, but what I also want to tell you is, God's not honored by us dreaming for so little either. Like He doesn't want us to give up a part of our day to get a little more positivity. He doesn't want us to give up a little hurt to get a little blessing. He doesn't want us to give up a few dreams to get uh, a, f- a little bit of um, His like His attention. That's not what God wants. Like if there's one thing that I could contend with you tonight, it's that are your ambitions. And your admissions are far too small for the gospel. Your admissions and your ambitions are far too small for the gospel. When you come, like you need to bring everything to God, and it will cost you a lot. The cost of coming to Jesus is far higher than you think it is, but what you get from him is far more than what you expect it to be. The story is a story of how it costs you everything. The clothes on your back, but the treasure you get is life-changing. It's a future-altering pearl. This is the gospel, that it comes in extremes. It's far more terrible and far more wonderful. The first extreme is bad news. It's that your admissions are too small. Not that you are a, like, a sufferer in need of help, but that you are a sinner in need of saving. And yet, the gospel is far better news than we could expect it to be. That your ambitions for what you think God will do for your life are also too small. God does not want to fulfill your small dreams for a little bit better life. He doesn't want to give you a little bit of strength or a little bit of blessing. He wants to completely flip your life into something new. What the Bible says about this is it it says, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart can know the wonderful things that God has in store for those who love him. He's saying you can't even imagine the life that God has for you. That's the gospel. So the gospel demands far more from you, but will give you far more than you expect. Author C.S. Lewis has this amazing illustration when he talks about this from the book Mere Christianity. He says, imagine God comes to live in your house. And and he's going to rebuild it. And so at first he starts to fix the wiring and the plumbing, but you expect him to do that. Because you knew those things were, were a little off, but then he starts to knock at walls. Tear them down. Tear down old walls and build new ones. Walls you thought were fine in the first place. So you guys got like God. What are you doing? What on earth is He up to? And the explanation is that He's building quite a different house than the one you imagined. He's putting an extra floor there and running up uh, new fences and and new courtyards in your yard. And this is a quote from Him. This is how He ends it. You thought. You were being made into a decent little cottage, but he's building a palace. He intends to come and live in himself. Are you willing to give up your cottage for a palace? I am. I think it's worth it. Why? Because the cost of busting down walls that you thought you once liked is nothing in comparison to the palace that God is going to build in your life. And in the same way, the pearl of Jesus is worth its price. The pearl of Jesus is worth its price because the cost of an item all depends on what you get in return. Right? If I, if I asked if, if you wanted to pay $500 for something, I hope the first question out of your mouth would be, well, what am I getting? Because if I offer you, do you, if you gave me $500 and I gave you a Chipotle burrito Though that Chipotle burrito might be good, it is totally not worth it, right? Like you paid far too much for a Chipotle burrito, but if I gave you a brand new Tesla for $500, if you didn't have $500 on you, you would go and talk to all your friends and get, you'd be like, I'll be back in 10 minutes because I want that brand new Tesla for $500. And a week later, if your friends were like, yo, bro, how much did you spend to get a brand new Tesla? You'd say, practically nothing. Where just a second ago, $500 was so much, so expensive. Why? Because Chipotle burrito is not worth $500. But, if, but it's practically nothing when compared to a Tesla. What, what's the point I'm making is that the cost of something all depends on what you get in return. And the pearl of Jesus far, far surpasses its price. The pearl of Jesus, when you think about life with him, him being ruler over your hearts and minds, even if it costs you everything, when asked later, what did it cost? Nothing. Because the prize was so much more than the price. Anything that you give up to sell out for Christ is worth it to be under the, in the citizenship of King Jesus. That's not to say that you have to give up everything. That Jesus... Always asks you to give up everything in your life. But what I am saying is that no matter what he asks you to give up, it's always worth it because he is the great pearl that's worth its price. It's always worth it. But we so often go after lesser pearls that aren't worth its price. So I stole this from another pastor in our network named Saul, and this was just like too good not to share. So he shares three pearls, three pearls in college that you're tempted to to run after, but those pearls aren't worth his price. The three pearls are this, experiences that cost your integrity, relationships that cost your faith, and success that cost you your soul. Three pearls that aren't worth its price. Experiences that cost you your integrity. Integrity is having consistent character, being the the same person no matter the situation or the people that you're around. So if that's what integrity is, I hope you have experiences in college that are amazing and hold your integrity. I hope you stay up late. I hope you do spontaneous things. I hope you make new friends. I hope you get overly competitive playing board games. I hope you cry laughing. I hope you have an amazing time during your four years here. But what I am telling you is that experiences that cost your integrity are not worth it. It's not worth it for one night of fun. It's not worth it for one person to like you it's not worth it for one experience the pearl of experience is not worth the price of your integrity second pearl that's not worth its price relationships that cost you your faith guys relationships can be awesome and so fun but as you enter into a relationship it is vitally important the most important on where that person stands spiritually like the question you should ask is, are they pursuing Jesus the way I am pursuing Jesus? And if the answer is no, the relationship just isn't worth it. It's not fair to you and it's not fair to them because what you're gonna end up, what's going to end up happening is the thing that is most true of you. You're going to feel like you're going to have to drag that person along so that can be most true of them. But that's not fair to you to feel like you have to drag that person. And it's not really that fun to feel like you're the person being dragged somewhere that you don't really want to go. So whether you're in a relationship or processing getting into a new relationship, what I what I just think is a great idea is invite someone whose walk with Jesus you really respect into that processing. And if you feel like you don't have that person, our staff would love to be one of those people for you. We would love to process that with you because what I've seen and even what I've experienced in my own life before like I really started following Jesus is that, Guys, the pearl of relationships, though it looks really nice, it's not worth it if it costs you your faith. It's a pearl that's not worth its price. Last one, success that costs you your soul. Guys, the Bible says this. It says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit His soul. And so am I saying I'm an anti-success? No, I want you guys to be world changers. I want you to bring doctors, be doctors that bring healing, lawyers that bring justice to where that needs to be. I want you to be executives that executives that leverage your influence and your money for the sake of others. But I'm saying success is an amazing gift of God's grace, but a terrible God in itself. It's a great thing to get and a horrible thing to run after. It's a pearl, a pearl that world throws at you that's not worth its price. I I just want to like, this is a psalm that's been so good for my soul. It says, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Like than anything else in the world, I just want to stand in the courts of the Lord. I want to work a lowly job with him than a great job without him. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. The world will offer you many pearls, many great things the world will offer you. But I want you to ask yourself, when the world shines, when it offers you something that you think is great, just ask yourself the question, is it worth its price? Is the pearl worth its price? I actually want to make one more observation about the text from Matthew 13. It says this. It says, In verse 44, it says the kingdom is like a hidden treasure, that a man stumbles upon. And in his joy, he sells everything that he has, but the kingdom is the treasure. It's worth selling everything to get the treasure. But then in verse 45, we expect to say the kingdom is like a great pearl, but it says this. It says the kingdom isn't described as the pearl, but described as the merchant. And so perhaps what Jesus is doing is he's giving us two pictures of the same kingdom, but from a different angle where we're the farmhand that stumbles upon the treasure. And it's worth it to sell out for Jesus, to sell out for the treasure. But maybe the merchant is a different angle of the same story. That the merchant knew he was on the search for a treasure, and so he, the merchant went and sold out so the treasure could be his. Perhaps we are the farmhand that stumble upon the treasure, and Jesus is the merchant, And his treasure is you. And so he's willing to give up everything, to come to earth, to give up his life, to go to a cross so that he could find you, so that you could be valuable to him. That the kingdom is actually Jesus coming for his great pearl, which was you. So, Saul Company. As you hear this message about selling out for the kingdom, would you not hear it that you sell out for Jesus so then he loves you, but would you see it first as he was the merchant who sold out for you? And so then our response to a God that was willing to sell out for us would be to give up everything, anything that it takes in order to sell out for him, to be under the rule and reign of Jesus because the treasure of knowing him is so much greater. Let's pray. God, I I confess that I so often run after pearls that aren't worth its price. Guys, I God, I run after things that just aren't worth it. But God, would you give me a clearer picture now of your kingdom? Because I've tasted and seen the the goodness, God. Because I've stumbled upon the treasure. Because, see, man, I want to give up everything to know it, to experience life following you, being under your kingdom, under your reign. So, God, would we, as a ministry, would we see that you first sold out for us, that we were the pearl, that you came for us so that now we can sell out for you. We can give up anything that it takes to know and to love you. God, we praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to spend a little bit of time together again, worshiping through music, lifting up our, our voices with a song of praise. So let's do that together as we sing that Christ is our firm foundation. Would you stand?